She leads, she thrives. The home of inspired conversations, practical and creative wisdom, expansive leadership and business insights, abundant braggadocious moments of celebration, and useful info you can actually do something with. You'll hear about mindset, marketing, money, magnetism, self-awareness and the Thrive Factor framework, its archetypes and more. Amplify your role as a leader, a self-led soul. Tap into your effortless success zone. Turn your ingeniousness and wisdom into profitable income streams. From solo shows to guests you definitely want more from, there's something for every ambitious, ingenious soul. I'm Shannon Dunn, a true OG of the business coaching space with an obsession with thriving. You are so welcome here. Let's dive into today's episode. Great big welcome, everybody. I'm delighted to have you back listening to a new guest episode. And I know I say this, I even say this part every week or every time we have a new guest, how excited I am about who I'm going to speak to. And it's no different today. So if you haven't listened to the podcast before, if you're not familiar, my name's Shannon Dunn. I am the host here at She Leads, She Thrives. I'm a long-term self-leadership coach and business coach and just have such joy in I know, co-creating incredible conversations with leading women around the world who've got something interesting to share. And so my guest today, Melissa, is no different. Is I think if you've listened for a little bit of, of time, you know that I'm very committed to really reaching out to incredible change makers, impact makers, women that are really leaving legacy in the world. And Melissa, you're definitely one of those in my eyes. It was, um, I don't even remember how I first connected with you, whether it was listening to you on a podcast of someone else I follow or just coming across your content. But it was definitely, it was at a time when you were shifting back into the therapy space from coaching. And that was fascinating to me, having also got coaching in, uh, sorry, therapy and counseling in my background, but never have, having completely worked in that space. And then watching what you've done since, um, seeing the work you're doing with you know ethics for coaching so I've got so much to talk to you about today so I'm delighted that you said yes when I reached out and said will you come and join me on the podcast and have a conversation about the God there's, there's a thousand topics that we could talk about right so many oh it's an honor to be here I always love having amazing conversations with other women mm-hmm. and going through all these various topics that are so important They are so important. So let me share your bio so everyone can get a sense of who you are, who we're we're talking to today, who I put in the spotlight, and then we'll get into some questions and see where our conversation takes us. So Melissa Lapides is a licensed psychotherapist, trauma attachment expert, and founder of the Safe Space Institute. She's worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs and CEOs, and by using her proprietary SAFE methodology, her clients have been able to expand their personal and professional relationships and ensure they are leading without perpetuating trauma. Melissa leverages over 20 years of experience in teaching psychological principles for optimal mental and optimizational, or sorry, organizational, where did I get that wrong? Organizational wellness. So welcome again. So excited to have you here. And as I just said before in that intro, there are so many things that we could talk about. Your business, your area of expertise in trauma, how much and also how much trauma impacts people, your work with the um, Ethics for Coaching project and your shift into coaching from the therapeutic space and back again. So I think let's start there, right? (laughs) We'll see, you know, where we end up with what we talk about today. 
So tell us about how you did transition into coaching because a majority of the audience that listen to the podcast are in the coaching or online service, you know, business space. So they're aware of the coaching industry. I've been talking a lot about some of my challenges with it and some of the things that I see in the shifts and maybe not so good things that are happening. So, you know, the spotlight's already been put on that and talking more about ethical practice. We'll, we'll get to that more, but I'd love to know about your personal story of going from psychotherapy now having a practice with clients and then shifting into coaching and, and back again. So tell me more about that. Yeah, it was actually a total accident that I got shifted into the coaching industry. It was after my divorce and I was looking for steady income that I got offered some work through a coaching company from a life coach and she wanted me to help support her groups and, you know, the clients that she was working with. And while I got involved, I started to realize like, whoa what are some of these weird methods that she's using to move people forward that don't actually seem psychologically safe, including the sales process. And so as I got further down this rabbit hole and started meeting other coaches, business coaches, life coaches, spiritual coaches, my mind was kind of blown to be honest, because I saw this trend of some of these practices that were being used and sales tactics and the price that these people were charging for their services. And, you know, as a therapist back, let's say this was maybe eight years ago, you know, when therapists were barely making money, I was like, what is going on here where a lot of these people have no training and here they are, you know, charging like 20 million times as much as psychotherapists with 20 million times less credentials and education. And there was this whole part where there was psychological manipulation happening in a very methodical way that I saw happening across the boards. And so that was my grand entry into the coaching industry. (laughs) And I understand some of that from my own lens and and experience because I've always approached coaching in a very different way, I feel, to a lot of my peers, no matter where they are in the world. And I am grateful every day for having that background that includes counselling and art therapy because I have a different learning style in terms of working with people. And I I don't know, it was probably the last five years, I've been coaching for a couple of decades now, but probably the last five years that I've seen a greater increase in entry into the coaching space and practices that just make me want to curl up and I I kind of like, I don't even know what to do about them. They're so concerning, right? I hear you. I hear you. And now being, you know, involved in the industry for such a long time, I can really see there is a clear line between professional coaches that actually are doing amazing job at helping their clients and have education and have training and have professionalism and ethics. There is so many wonderful coaches in the industry. And there is this whole slew 
of what we call scam fluencers, right? And these are the life coaches that are really influencers that are scamming people through the lens of life coaching or business coaching. And it seems to be an epidemic that really picked up during COVID, which is no, like, it's no doubt that it blew up because people were in such a like space of the unknown. And when you're going to scam somebody, the most vulnerable place that people could be in is the unknown. And so these kind of scam artist influencer coaches really preyed on people that were in a very vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. And we saw the coaching industry like blow up during that time and then it seems like it's popping the bubble of that scam kind of coaching um thing that has been happening I think a lot more people have been getting wise to it and really Mm -hmm. questioning you know Uh, the people that they're hiring to see what their education and background is. And I think it's becoming clearer who are actually professional coaches and who are these scamming influencer coaches. Yeah, Yeah. there's, I agree with you. There's definitely from my view and looking at it, even globally in different parts of the world, that there is more discernment coming from a greater population of clients of coaches across the coaching industry no matter what I guess focus the coach has whether you said life coaching business coaching you know spiritual coaching um health coaching it doesn't kind of almost matter these days and I'm excited about that but I still feel there's a gap in the education space I think we'll probably talk about that when we get to ethics for coaching a little bit more you know how we can really support the clients of coaches worldwide to understand what to look for and how to make that informed decision about who to invest their money with. Because as you also rightly pointed out, the investments in terms of pricing that gets put on coaching related things compared to what, you know, therapists and other mental health professionals are allowed to charge because of the the regulation bodies and different things are so far apart. Um, And that, yeah, it's always sat, in a very uncomfortable space for me as well. So there's so many things to unpack there. But what I'd like to talk a little bit more about now after that intro is around the area of trauma and that's your your expertise, your trauma attachment. So can you share with us a little about how you came to focus on that? Like how did trauma become your thing as a licensed psychotherapist and the, a little bit of the kind of work you actually do in your practice now that you've gone more into your practice again? And not coaching. Yeah. yeah. Well, the story of my life is very traumatic. So that's how come I was drawn to trauma. I didn't choose it. It kind of chose me. I love your mug. That is awesome. I'm a Wonder Woman fan. Yes, you say um, those that aren't aren't seeing Melissa and I on video, there is on the the on over my shoulder. Oh yeah. A full of Wonder Woman paraphernalia. <laughs> my hero, my hero. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I had a lot of early childhood trauma, relational trauma and attachment issues myself. And through my own journey of healing, I have 
you know, realize there's life on the other side of it. And it does take an awful lot of dedication and work to move through the healing that it takes to really repair that early childhood attachment and trauma. And I love to support people through that because I know what a game changer it is and how your life can really look completely different than it currently does when you're still perpetuating those wounds inside of you. Yeah, I think it's interesting that to me that trauma has become such a focus of the coaching industry as well. And I definitely noticed this as COVID, you know, expanded into the world and all of the different experiences that people were personally and collectively going through. I felt like the coaching industry kind of jumped on the trend of, well, people are in trauma. So let's kind of focus on that. And that again, was another flag for me, very bright red flag around the understanding the need to have such incredible professional training around working with people safely with trauma and what coaching even offers. And I wouldn't even with the professional background I have, and I've shared this many times, I wouldn't refer to myself as as trauma-informed, trauma-aware, yes, but I didn't receive trauma-appropriate training in my counselling or art therapy. Yeah. 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 And a lot of people don't. Yeah, how a coach is kind of getting to the space of having that, you know, expertise, let's say, in inverted commas, in trauma. So I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts around that and, you know, how that was working for you, seeing that rise and everyone suddenly became a trauma-informed coach of some kind. It was so disturbing, so disturbing, really disturbing. And that's why I decided to like put together the program that I used to teach on trauma-informed coaching, because I'm like, whoa, if people are doing this, let me help to make sure they're doing it cautiously. And so I had been teaching a program for two years And what I noticed is a lot of these girls would come through the program just to post on their Instagram that they were in the program and then they would never show up. And so that became really problematic. And then I felt out of integrity myself, Mm -hmm. even opening that door. So my first thought was, let me help to keep it safe. And then I was like, you know what, maybe I need to step out of this because I saw so many people that were actually using my name to say they were in the program, but never show up. And that didn't feel ethical to me. And so I have since stepped back from the coaching industry and moved into a different way of engaging in it, which is the ethics for coaching initiative, which is an initiative that I put together to help raise awareness for consumers in the industry and for practitioners to really Mm -hmm. understand what ethical practice looks like, but to also create a space where people could report incidents that they've had where they have been taken advantage of so that we could start collecting data to petition for laws to be changed, which is something that we're really advocating for 
for. And we are also supporting consumers to find legal support. We have a handful of attorneys that are privy to understanding this scam that is happening in the industry. Also, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, is onto it now. There's a whole thing on their website okay. around business coach scams and these scams that we're seeing a lot of. And so I have got an amazing group of advocates together, legal advocates, social science advocates, therapists, professional coaches that all really care about pushing this movement forward to get some real laws put in place in the industry so that this can stop already because so many people have been financially and emotionally abused because of the lack of professionalism and the lack of ethics and regulation in the industry. Yeah, there's there's so much that's going on. And I I think it's it's not that you have to have a professional background in either as a mental health professional or some area of you know of your working life where you're aware of ethical practice or even be an actual qualified coach and be aware of coaching methodology and how to actually work with people to see this and to sense this. And I find it's interesting. There's, there seems to be a, a large population of coaches who are oblivious to what's going on, oblivious to the things their clients are even asking them about the challenges in the coaching industry or whatever language they're using. And then there's a, a group of us, and I put myself in that with you, that are aware, interested to see what's unfolding and want it to be different. So I love that, you know, when I, I kind of, again, can't even remember where I saw Ethics for Coaching pop up, whether it was possibly on your content on Instagram, where I'm most connected with you. Uh, and going, oh, this is interesting. Like there was a big lean in effect for me of going, I want to know what this is all about. Even the name of it, it just made sense to me. And it's been interesting observing other content that gets shared and the debate about, well, what is really ethical anyway? How can we even decide what is ethical? And I love that there's a very open, from my viewpoint, from your, like the ethics for coaching community, a very open approach to exploring lots of different things. And I think I may have mentioned this to you in our chats as well in, you know, direct messages and stuff that I hope this goes global because I know right now you're really honing in on the US and have connections and your resources are mostly there. But this isn't something that's just based in North America in terms of its influence yeah. what's happening in coaching. So I'd love to know more about the, the, I guess, the ultimate vision over time for ethics for coaching. Yeah, I mean, some of the ultimate vision would be to transform the whole industry and kind of have a set of guidelines that all coaches could abide by and really understand where their scope of practice is. I know for therapists, it's really clear what we can and what we cannot do. Yes. And for coaches, there are no ethical guidelines. So we have written our own book of just, you know, what we feel as a group of professionals um, are ethical guidelines. Now they're not hard and fast rules by any means, but for any coaches that are wondering, you know, what that can look like and why we've given tons of examples and tons of resources on 
what is and what is not ethical. And of course, it's, you know, it's subject to be questioned and changed. And we are very open around that and accepting feedback on, you know, what other people feel as they go through these ethical guidelines. And, you know, we add, we have added a bunch as people have brought up concerns and we just really want to keep pushing this forward so that, we can create, you know, a structure for the industry where consumers can really feel safe. Mm, mm, no, it's been great. I downloaded the guidelines very early on, sort of as soon as I saw them. It's like, again, the curiosity in me was sparked to say, well, what have they included? You know, what's in here? And I found it so useful. And as a, someone who also has my own coaching certification, focusing on the Thrive Factor framework, which is my archetypal self-leadership framework, I um, am big on talking about ethics in coaching and appropriate practice and scope of practice and, you know, actual referring on when you're out of scope and all of those kind of things. So it was really great to have that resource to share with my coaching community as well and to talk to them about you know why I was so interested why this is important to me I don't think any of them are unsure about why I think they've heard me go on about it enough Um, but they've not come from the same professional background as I have so it's not that they were unaware of the importance of ethics but they just didn't think about it and while they you know they all have a certification with me they also I'm just trying to think of the those in our community currently they also have some other kind of coaching certification so I'm really not surprised because that certifications or qualifications have always been important to me I'm not surprised that I've attracted people that also value that into my world Um, but at some point in time it's highly likely someone going to come that doesn't yet have that um, and that's another thing is like we really want to protect coaches that are practicing ethically because a lot of these coaches that are not are ruining it for the whole industry and putting a bad name to amazing professional coaches that have been doing this for many years and they're you know out uh speaking them because a lot of these people are marketing geniuses but they don't have the credentials and the skill sets to actually support clients and so part of the mission is to have ethical coaches be able to shine and not be you know under the umbrella of these loud influencers that are pretending to be coaches and just yeah. charging a lot of money for nothing yeah, it's such an interesting thing to observe, isn't it? That the that how that's come about, how that group of individuals has come where they've come from, and how fast that group has grown. And I think we've already highlighted this COVID, the advent of that, the change in the world, people losing their jobs, looking for something else, looking for a different kind of income, looking at what coaches are making. And I think also there's a percentage of the coaching population out there that will say, yeah, coaching's easy because there's little to no you know, entry, like barrier entry. That's one of the big marketing tools is like, you don't even have to have skills. (laughs) Like you don't even have to know what you're doing. You can just, you know, follow my formula and make the same amount of money that I'm making. No credentials required. And it's like, oh my gosh, is this really happening? And then they're (laughs) opening the psyches of humans that mostly have trauma. I mean, most humans have some sort of trauma. Mm -hmm. And generally the people that are 
getting attracted to this kind of, you know, let's change your life really fast and make you a lot of money marketing are going to be the ones that don't have the discernment skills to really understand, right? That this is problematic. And that being said, I myself have fallen for business coach schemes and, and a lot of other professionals that I know have fallen for business coach schemes, not as much life coach, but business coaching, because when you go to start a online business, like I did, and I had no idea what I was doing, I did reach out to a business coach who definitely took advantage of me for a huge sum of money. And that was part of my, you know, I could have gone the legal route with her, but I decided to go the ethics for coaching route and let that be my inspiration to really make a movement and speak up even louder. And that's exactly what it feels like you're doing. And I love to work with ambitious, motivated women who are real impact makers and are here to create legacy, to leave some positive imprint in the world. Now, that may only impact a very small community, but it may be like I can feel where you you are at, global in terms of its reach. Um, so that excites me that you're, you know, like, okay, I thought about it and I could have gone down this route or I have another choice here. Yeah, this really means a lot to me. And it does feel like a legacy kind of thing, because I actually come from a sociopathic father who lived his life scamming other people for, uh, you know, his living. And so this really hits like a heart spot with me. And that's why I'm so passionate about shutting down scam artists because I see the damage that it does not just to the people that they are victimizing but to their families and everybody around them as well right it goes beyond their client group doesn't it far beyond that and uh, I also found it fascinating when I first looked into coaching was through a, a corporate coaching experience and remember sitting there and receiving this incredible coaching experience as part of a group of, of leaders in the organization I was working in, you know, some were well, probably talking 25 years ago now. And back then there wasn't so much that there wasn't coaching qualifications, but the gentleman that was coaching was an organizational psychologist who had learned some coaching methodology. So it was a blend of the two, but I remember sitting there and thinking, where's this been all my life? Like, this is like, I can see myself doing this. This is the blend of the kind of way I want to work with people. Plus it took on board my, you know, the the mental health professional background and the, you know, the therapeutic space that I found so interesting and that, that was so valuable. Uh, and yet we find, you know, we shift, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, because I'm talking probably 25 years ago, I had that experience. And now we see coaches, coaching, coaches, coaching, coaches, and just saying, do what I do. And this will happen and do what I do. And that that's the kind of training that some coaches are receiving and believing that's enough. It's sad because, you know, I was getting a lot of these girls that were recovering from this in my program and in my inbox and just listening to the stories of, you know, what they were promised, what they were told, how they were treated. It just really broke my heart into a million pieces because it's very much, um, 
like, you know, the, 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 the people that are attracted to this are, are seekers, right? They're vulnerable, seeking, yes. really giving trust. That's what we do when we're looking for coaching or therapy or leadership. It's a space where you deeply trust the person who is leading you. And so many of these consumers were led in such a wrong direction. And then when they speak up, they'd get gaslit, they'd get refused their money back, it would be turned on them, and then they would feel worse than when they started. And this yes. is the epidemic that I started seeing over and over and over again. And when I started to connect with some other women that were speaking up, because I felt alone speaking up at first, I started speaking up and I got smashed. I mean, people yeah, were really angry with me and they still are. I mean, I think there's a whole Reddit thread about what an awful human I am or oh, something. Goodness. Yeah, but it's okay because I understand that some people really aren't going to like it. We're talking about multi-million dollar businesses that mm -hmm. I'm speaking out against. And of course, people are not going to like me for doing that. And that's okay because I feel like I can't live with myself if I don't do that, especially because of my past and my history yes. and knowing the damage that could be done when you watch perpetrators prey on vulnerable people and don't speak up. I almost feel like you're part of the problem then. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that completely. How, like, what kind of percentage is off the top of your head do you feel could be people that are in the coaching space or calling themselves coaches or what I also saw a big shift into using the term mentor? Yeah. Previously they were using the term coach uh, that are maybe not as aware as what we're highlighting in terms of the fact that they, they could be scamming. Yeah. How Ooh, many of you feel like kind of fallen into good that? Question. I don't know. I, think, I don't know, but I think there's probably you know, quite a big percentage, especially because you could see some of these really big scam influencers have huge followings and you just see the fawning that happens, even reading oh, through the, the comment sections of their posts. It's like this idolization that's happening. And that's what's mostly problematic is that people are selling their lifestyle. They're selling their highlights. They're selling, you know, this, um, like glamorous life that they have and saying, you do what I do and you could have this too, right? And it's just so easy. You just have to think this way and do these things. And it's just a repeat of the scamming that they're doing. So they're telling people to act and pretend like they're something that they're not before they're there and promote themselves that way. And so it's like, you're selling a lie. You're selling a lie and not just selling a lie to tell people to do those things that aren't actually happening, but the percentage of people that are actually going to be making those incomes that you're claiming are so easy, that's just not happening. Mm -hmm. I could get that percentage and that percentage would probably be 1% or less, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like multi-level marketing when they say anybody could do it. And I was part of a multi-level marketing company and, and 
I actually really liked the company. I didn't like the business model because I saw the same thing happening is, you know, this idea of it could be easy, anybody could do it. And that's just not the truth. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the one that I worked for definitely did put out the numbers and say only 1% makes this much, only 5% makes this much. There was much. some so- transparency. There was transparency, more, a lot more transparency. And I wish that was the case in the coaching industry when people are like, oh, my clients make a hundred thousand dollars a month. How many of your clients are actually yeah, right? <laughs> I know, I know. the list of your past clients and take a percentage because you're only showing the highlights and who knows if that's even true, to be honest, I highly doubt it. Mm, I know it's been such an interesting thing to see the shift in the marketing messaging around money and, and earnings for coaches, because that was never a thing back in again. And having been in the industry so long, I've seen these, what to me felt like weird things suddenly showing up in the way that coaches, particularly business coaches were market or exec coaches as well, but more business coaches were marketing themselves and the reality, knowing the reality that such a tiny percentage of people in the coaching space or really any professional space are going to make six figures in a year or more yeah, yeah. in their business or otherwise let alone this the whole vision or this dream of six or multi-six figures a month I find that yeah. fascinating that that's now become the benchmark where I know that say even five six years ago if you were a six-figure business in a year you were doing really well like where do we shift from that as an annual thing to a monthly thing in it feels and like wait. Such a- you could do it with ease, just yes. sitting on the Leave beach in your feminine energy, right? Or in the bath. What was that? Another was a big trend for a little while. I'm sure it still is. Yeah. In the bath with champagne, you know, yeah. just going back. <laughs> just doing, you know, barely anything. You know, if we were to show some Harvard Business School graduates this idea, they would laugh at it, right? And, <laughs> and, then, and then that's what these women are promoting. Like, you can't think like a normal person, which is all cult mentality. It is all brainwashing and manipulation and bringing people into magical thinking. So whenever we see people selling money, more money, it's a huge red flag. I wish I had a red flag in my drawer. (laughs) It is like the biggest red flag when somebody's selling these get rich quick schemes to you, red flag, like automatic red, 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 red flag. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so much so. And because along with that, you know, you can make X amount per month. I've seen a shift in many coaches trying to define themselves in terms of their point of differences. I, you know, I help clients get to five figures or six figures or whatever, you know, and often very specific, like I will support you, I'll coach you to get to regular consistent 10K months and, you know, and then it goes up to, you know, your 40K, your 60K, the 100K. It just keeps going on and on and on. And, you know, and also the, but look, I, look, I did it and I will share with you exactly how I did it. So you just follow the same thing and you will get the same result. That is Which a is huge challenge for me. So not trauma-informed. There's nothing oh, trauma-informed no. about that because that's not taking into consideration people's unique and individual situations. And that was the same red flag that I saw in network marketing. So you're telling Sally and Jenny both, but Jenny is a single mom who is, you know, on food stamps that has no resources. And Sally has a following already of a hundred thousand people. And so you're telling both of these women that they have equal opportunity to create the same level of financial success. Absolutely. Red flag. 
not acceptable, Um, not trauma-informed, not inclusive, not considerate at all. And it's actually so damaging to sell people that lie. Yeah, so much so. In the last couple of years, I have done some work with an incredible mentor around inclusivity with a particular focus on uh, leading a more racially inclusive business. And I loved being involved in the conversations about equity, which just makes me think about what you just pointed out there as an example, Melissa, where you have so many things being promised to individuals that all have a unique background that has got so many intricacies woven into it that there is no way that any promise can ever be made that they will achieve any kind of, I guess, you know, success of any definition, let alone all, all, you know, achieve that. So what do we do about this? And aside from, you know, what you're doing with ethics for coaching, how else apart from speaking up and being those ones that are putting ourselves in the spotlight for talking out about these things, what else can we do to start shifting, do you think? And really, so if anyone's listening and they're just even, whether they're already aware, like you and I have awareness or their light bulbs are going off for the first time around, oh, wait a second, you know, where do we start with this in terms of supporting ourselves and our clients that genuinely want to be working with professional coaches. Yeah, I think definitely sign up for the ethics for yeah. coaching yeah, for sure. and movement and spread the word and spread the handbook. And I'm not saying that because I benefit from that at all, because it's been a complete volunteer experience for every single person involved. And, and you've all been you've all been very transparent about that as well which I also appreciated who's involved and the fact that it was volunteer and you know even investing in your own you know financially to to get things up and running literally and we've been behind the scenes for a year meeting together of you know just volunteer time because we all feel so passionately about it but I do think you know just keep spreading the word and really um telling people and explaining the differences and, and shouting out the red flags because it's so um, prevalent out there on the internet and, you know, new people get involved every day in these kind of things. Oops, sorry. My FaceTime was going off. Sorry. I don't know why it's my uh, computer, but Yeah, I think we have to just keep spreading the word and speaking up around it because that's the only way that we're going to get the message out there. Because like I was saying, new people come in every single day and we just have to keep advocating for consumers to understand what the red flags are and how to discern what is bullshit from what is actually going to uh, support them and what they're looking for. Yeah, agree. There is such an opportunity, I feel, for those of us that want to speak out. And I am a big advocate for people trusting their own instincts. And if you feel like you want to ask questions or reach out and explore more, then people like yourself and the you know Ethics for Coaching community are a great place to start if they're really not sure where there literally is a safe space to reach out to and to connect with. I'm always happy to speak to people, to share my views, my thoughts, my experiences confidentially, of course, because I think that's also another important thing to be mindful of is a confidentiality for people. And I love that one of the initiatives that you have with Ethics for Coaching, as you said, is people being able to share feedback you know, in, in, in again, a safe way 
where they don't have to worry about who's going to see it necessarily or how it could be used against them because when, and I've seen examples of this, I'm sure you've probably seen a lot more than I have, um, being in a time zone that's the opposite to North America, sometimes I don't see some of the things I hear about them after and people will be talking about, did you see this person or this such and such got called out or whatever? And I've kind of missed the whole thing being in a different time zone. Um, yeah, but it's all right. I tend to be able to find what's going on. But what I was suggesting was that um, people that often have spoken up against their former coaches, for example, in some way, shape or form, can receive such negative feedback and experience. And, you know, there's so many, I can't even think of all the words because there's so many different examples I've seen, but I can understand why people can get to a place where they're like, you know what, I'm just going to be quiet about this and move on and never, probably never work with a coach again. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I actually addressed the business coach, she gaslit me Mm -hmm. and pretty much told me she dragged me all the way like down the road if I started speaking up about her Mm -hmm. in particular. And so a lot of these people that start by addressing the actual coach, they get gaslit, they get threatened, they get bullied, and it could be really, really um, shameful. So they don't speak up and they don't reach out for help. And so that's what we wanted to be also was a safe space where people could anonymously post reviews of other coaches to support other people that were thinking about working with some of these coaches, because a lot of these girls have such shame around what has happened because they've been so treacherously abused financially and emotionally by these coaches. I've had some of my own experiences like you have um, in terms of an um, not getting something I didn't sign up for, if you like, or not getting what I did sign up for. And I am very discerning about where I put my money and I'm very, you know, I'm the person that that does want to have a phone call sometimes and does, will go through all of the fine details you have promised, wants to see your terms and conditions. I'm that kind of a person. And I know that's not necessarily a norm out there. A lot of people, as you said, like they're jumping on. Yeah. Yeah. The promises of, you know, the, the, the get rich quick things or whatever it looks like that they're enticed by. Um, but the, yeah, the shame is a very real thing. And I know an experience that I had where it was the biggest investment I'd ever made paying from, you know, earning in Australian dollars to paying US dollars, which is what their currency was, meant that it was like double you know, in, in many regards. And, um, you know, the, the financial impacts that went on for years because of that. And that there was a lot of shame for me that I had to recognize firstly and unpack and understand and it had a big impact on things like my sense of security, my sense of ability to trust myself that I could actually make those really um, professional, incredible decisions about where to invest moving forward. Who can I trust? Can I trust myself? So it brought up a lot of different things. And you may have had those experiences with your, you know, coaching. (laughs) Absolutely. I felt ridiculous after I have so much training Mm -hmm. and I trusted this person and I even fond to her a lot in the beginning. And she, that's what she said, like you loved the work and do, you know, and that's what a lot of them do is that they collect testimonials and they collect these 
you know, uh, praises in the beginning, because we do that when we are being abused in some way, we fawn, it's a natural thing, or they call it Stockholm syndrome, when you Mm. praise and love the person that's actually abusing you, because you want their validation and their approval. And so I did that whole thing with this coach. And then I was so shameful about it, especially when she threw it in my face after I tried to address the things that I saw that I was not comfortable with anymore. And I I sat in shame for a while before I even could process it or bring it up. And it really motivated me to create this ethics for coaching um, instead of fighting her because I, I thought about that and that just didn't feel um, like it was the route I wanted to go. I thought there was something bigger that I can make out of it and really uh, propelled me to do that, which I'm I don't want to say I'm grateful for the abuse or the loss of that money because I'm absolutely not. I'm still horrified at what a huge loss it was. And also the other investments that she had me make that I'm sure she was benefiting from now looking back, mm, yes, um, horrified, like absolutely horrified. But I too um, got blindsided. And that is just proof that it doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. When you come in contact with some of these professional scam artists, it, um, it sees past education or where you're from or who you know, or what you do. It could happen to anybody. I know attorneys that it's happened to. I know very well-educated people that it's happened to. It's just like getting, you know, brought into a cult. It doesn't matter like how educated you are. And that's why I want to really support people that have shame around this, not to feel shame. It's just like getting robbed on a street. Like you don't know that you're going to get robbed when you turn the corner, you know, you're just walking the street. And this is what happens when people are professional scam artists. Yeah. Yeah. I think though, it's, it's easy to understand when you view yourself and have always, I guess, seen yourself as a professional individual who's intelligent, as you said, who's educated, who's made good decisions in support of themselves and the people that are important to them. And suddenly some, you've made a decision, you made an investment and it's, it's, you know, everything about the experience just brings up all these things. It's very easy to see how someone ends up in the space of shame and other, you know, emotive states and behavior states, right? So easy to see how that can happen and then how you can go into hiding about it. Like the, the you know, let's keep it quiet. Let's not tell anybody about that because how can you admit that you're, you know, you're trying to put yourself out there as an image of a smart, intelligent individual and yet this this happened to you too. How? Yeah. 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 It is such a challenge, I think, for a lot of people that have been victims that they do carry that really deep shame. And it's interesting because when I start to take a consensus of a lot of these people who have been scammed, a lot of us do have early childhood trauma and attachment wounding. There's the link. 
there is definitely a link there because I know that a lot of the women that I end up speaking with or that have gone through my program that actually have gone through it um, have that commonality of having early childhood relational wounding. And this is another dynamic that falls right in line with that wounding. Mm. Again, that makes so much sense to me. But if there's someone is listening to us and they're recognizing the shame that they're sitting with through whatever experience they've had with the coaching industry or some other kind of online industry or online, um, you know, service provider, what would you suggest is the first place for them to reach out to or first thing to do so that they can start to really shift the shame uh, and and hopefully you build a, a healthier relationship with themselves you know, with the experience that they had and be able to, in some ways, you could say, turn it into a positive, not mm-hmm. ignore it. I think ignoring things yeah. is the worst thing we can do. But, we're, we're, you know, sitting through the, with the, you know, the hat of the the um, therapist here, what would you suggest is a starting point for people that are in okay. that space? First of all, have self-compassion and yeah. let's like normalize that this is not something that you did wrong. This is something that, like I said, any innocent person, this could happen to. And so really having compassion for yourself and then reaching out to get proper therapeutic support from a licensed mental health professional and looking at that shame and exploring it with in the context of a therapeutic relationship can help you to not only heal from the experience that you've had here, but probably it's connected to other earlier experiences as well that need attention and healing. So getting that support is so, so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I see an opportunity for bringing in a model that is very prevalent in the therapeutic space of supervision into the coaching industry, right? And it, it exists in little, you know, pockets around the world. And I have had previously a SAS Petherick who is based in the UK. She actually runs uh, um, an incredible group where they do focus on supervision for coaching. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts on that because it's something that I know I'm going to bring into my my graduate community from my, you know, but again, it's doing it with the right way and not necessarily looking at myself as the most appropriate person to deliver that supervision, you know, w- you know, but people may not be, even be aware of what supervision is for a start. So if you would like to share what that is, and then we can have a chat about how that could be a benefit for the coaching industry as well as the regulation. <laughs> That's something that we see as um, coming down the line with ethics for coaching is providing supervision groups because we do have a group of very experienced licensed mental health professionals that are part of the initiative that would really like to support um, coaches to get supervision. And so when in therapy, like we are required for um, our licensure to work with a supervisor for a certain amount of hours during our internship. And it's actually like once a week that you have to pretty much go and present all your cases and just get another set of more experienced eyes to make sure that you're covering all your bases and that your own personal biases and perceptions are not getting in the way of you giving your clients the most psychologically safe experience possible. Yeah. I 
having become aware of sufficient through my experience, mostly without therapy more than counseling. I was like, and then I, you know, in the, the coaching space, I'm like, why is it not here? Like, why do we not have something like this? You're working so closely in often very intimate kinds of relationships in terms of what our clients share with us, the things we can talk about, just even, you know, with the predominantly focusing on working with business owners and being in the business coaching space. I'm never surprised at all about the personal intimate things that people share with me about their lives that really are not to do with their business and not about their marketing, their messaging, their financial management, their mindset, but it gets shared because of that trust that's been created in the relationship. And I know that there are a lot of coaches out there that would have no idea what to do with the kind of things that can get, right, get bored to you. Have no idea what transference or counter-transference is, which is such an important dynamic when we're talking about that kind of intimate and very personal relationship where you are being vulnerable with the coach. There is so much transference and counter-transference that could happen and projections that we need to be aware of as leaders, as people that are letting um, people open vulnerably in a space with us. And this is the kind of stuff that we do explore in supervision and why I think also that it is so, so necessary for coaches to be required to have supervision. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I, I feel the, I kind of know the answer to this because of the way that you have, you know, initiated your ethics for coaching, but do you feel like there is a possibility that we can make the shift collectively to, you know, a more ethical coaching world where our clients are? I I think the next five years are going to be really transformative in the coaching industry. And I do see that laws will be in place eventually through the state and the federal laws and hopefully in other countries as well. Yeah, yeah. I that, that, you know, it's not just that things sort of kind of happen first in the US, but in this space, I think coaching has been so prevalent in the North American market for such a long time, longer than other parts of the world. And it's not that the rest of us are behind, but we haven't had their same history in terms mm-hmm. of coaching as a, a way to work with people. So mm-hmm. if you're all going to lead the way, I'm, I'm here for, pay, for being part of it and seeing yeah. what we can do to influence because again, the other thing that coaches can be anywhere in the world, like the digital nomad thing is such a huge thing as well, still not anything that's going anywhere. So we, and we work with clients who are based in so many different parts of the world mm-hmm. and, you know, another whole conversation on another day, but even being mindful of the different legalities where your client is based and where you're based could be very different in terms of what you have to provide in terms of a refund policy. Absolutely. So so many things to look at. It's a big complex thing, but, you know, at least we're making changes in that now. So I could talk to you all day about this, Melissa, but I'm going to get to some questions now to sort of bring us back into getting close to a wrap up for today. So I'd love to know now, what role does leadership play in your life and business? Yeah. Yeah, I think that, you know, I have learned a lot about being a leader in the last five or six years, and I've been humbled to the core. And I believe that a true leader is humble in a lot of ways, and that it does take, you know, this 
um, person-centered approach to be a really strong leader. And so a lot of times the loudest person in the room actually isn't the best leader. It's you know, the most observant and attuned person in the room that often makes the best leader. And so for me, I've had to really get my butt kicked in a lot of ways to, to get that lesson honed in on for good. Yeah, I love it. I also appreciate how the definition, say, of leadership from my perspective and from what I observe is changing. And Mm -hmm. I think it's for the better, as you said, it's not just the loudest, most dominant, bossy, organized, whatever person in the space. And that also there's been a shift from leadership being an external thing about just leading others to also recognizing that space that I love to be in self-leadership. And, well, you know, and I think that the quality of us as a leader externally is a reflection of how we are connected to our own self-leadership, right? Absolutely. And I believe, you know, you know, the person who makes a great leader, like you're saying, is the one that could stay emotionally regulated in the toughest situations and not really get knocked around. And that even, you know, people that we look at as leaders that we think aren't getting knocked around oftentimes are, or they're leading from their trauma, from, you know, having to be validated by the external world. And so I really like to see that shift in leadership. Mm -hmm. I think it's got so much benefit that's just going to keep rippling out positively uh, for such a long time, hopefully forever, which is great. So the next question I'd love to know your answer to is how do you know when you're thriving? I know when I'm thriving because I'm at peace. That's like my biggest marker of success and thriving in my life. And it never was like, it never was prior to, I'd say even a year or two ago, I didn't think that was thriving. I didn't realize that that's where I was always wanting to go. And I thought it was, you know, relationship or money or, you know, my business growing or, you know, being a well-known woman or whatever it is. And that's not it. None of that was it. My thriving is completely equivalent to my level of peace internally and externally. Yeah. I love that. The answers to these questions have been so fabulous because they've, they're so personalized and yet there's beautiful threads of of, you know, synchronicity woven through so many of the answers, which I love, and definitely a shift, having talked about these topics for such a long time in my business and my work, I've definitely seen a shift, as you said, like with that, with regards to thriving away from status kind of measures like money and having the right relationship and house and family and all those kind of things. And if I don't have those, and I'm not a success too, but how do I actually feel, you know, peace, content, yeah, yeah? so good. Yeah, yeah. everything. <laughs> So I am, have no doubt that people that are listening to us, if they're not already following you, might be interested to know how they can connect with you. So where is the easiest place for people to connect with you? Yeah, on Instagram, um, at Safe Space Institute. And my website is just my name, Melissa Lapidas, and then LMFT, that's Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist.com. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll make sure that those links are readily available for anyone who's interested. And I know that you have on your website a couple of incredible programs that are available. So people that might be interested in learning from you and your views of things, you would just tell us really quickly about those. I know I've seen two just because I just had a look literally yesterday to see what you had there. Yeah. Yeah, so this 
is the new direction I'm going in is um, self-paced classes where I'm not teaching live. They're very um, accessible. And one of them is about working with your trauma around money Mm -hmm. and really understanding, you know, how to work with that trauma as it comes up. The other one is is called trauma-free, and that's about freeing yourself from the relationship that you have with your trauma. This is great for anybody that has that early childhood trauma and attachment wounding. It's a very comprehensive class with a lot of uh, work and self-reflection. And um, the next one that I'm coming out with any day now, it's about to go up, is the trauma-informed practitioner. And now that will be a self-paced class, a really accessible class for practitioners across the board. So not just for coaches, which is where I was geared before, but I saw a bigger need. So anybody, this could be great for CEOs of any kind, managers, doctors, nurses, teachers, you name it. You work with humans. This is a fabulous program to take. I'm so happy to hear that. Uh, we will make sure that the links to all of those are available when this goes live because it, the episode will go live after that will be available, that new program. So that's right. all here. So to wrap us up for today, Melissa, I'd love to know what's a final piece of wisdom through like your lens of expertise and everything we've talked about today that you'd like to leave with those that are listening and you know the ambitious, ingenious souls that have tuned into us today. Yeah, so I think something really important that pertains to everything that we've talked about is really listen to the wisdom of your body. If you feel nervous about an investment or about a relationship that you're going to engage in, really listen to that instead of question it and just think that you have anxiety or something's wrong with you or this fear is invalid. Listen to that and pay attention instead of questioning yourself and believing somebody else over your own body's intuition. Yeah. Amazing wisdom there. There's again, there's so many pieces of wisdom. We'll have to put them, mash them all together and do a series of episodes where everyone can tune into these, these pieces of wisdom from our our guests over this time. I love that. Yeah. It's going to be so good. You'll be like, oh, you know, I can imagine the journal would be quite full of notes (laughs) listening to all of those. Yes. So good. But thank Thank you. so much for having me. I appreciate you so much for putting this together and really putting this out there. Yeah, thank you. I, you know, as I said earlier, I was so glad when you said yes, because not everyone will say yes when I reach out to them and we've had a, you know, a few chats, but not necessarily connected and been able to talk in this way. Um, and I feel like you're someone that, again, you trust your instincts and you're like, yeah, it made sense. So I appreciate that. And I, we've got an incredible conversation with so many topics we talked about today to share with everybody. So I look forward to when this goes live and you being able to share it with your community and seeing how my community respond as well, which would be fantastic. And listeners, if you have taken something away from today, please reach out to Melissa and myself and let us know, you know, what resonated for you. If you're someone that has been sitting in that shame or some uncertainty about your feelings around past experiences with coaches or other online service providers, I hope that today what we've shared with you will give you some some ways to move forward with that as well so you don't have to sit in that space or write yourself off from coaching ever again. Know that there are a plenty of incredible professional coaches who are, I feel, learning 
to practice more ethically all the time. And again, reach out to, we'll make sure the links to ethics for coaching are there as well. So if you want to get that guide, you can get that as a starting point and then stay connected via their newsletter and hear what's what's going on. I know that the town hall catch-ups that you're doing, Melissa, they're in the middle of my night. So I probably won't ever get there live at this oh. point. But at the same time, to see that you're doing those and having those conversations and seeing the team involved in Ethics for Coaching all getting on board and sharing has been something that I've really appreciated from this perspective. So keep up that work. I'll keep you from afar. You'll get the replays. If you're on the email list, you'll get the replays. Great. Uh, and one day, you never know, I'll try to be there live so I can actually be, you know, part of the conversation, which would be fabulous. We would love to have you. You that chance also to really stretch this to a global market, which is so necessary um, for the benefit of all of us. So thank you again, Melissa. Thank you everyone for listening. Wherever you are in the world, have a fabulous day. And remember that thriving is your birthright. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. You are so valued and appreciated. Aside from this podcast, my favorite place to hang out online is definitely Instagram. So come and join me, Shannon underscore the Thrive Factor. And no, my DMs are always open for genuine questions and connections. For all the latest Thrive Factor goodness, visit thrivefactorco.com forward slash links, where you'll find more about thriving in life and business. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show and share it with your friends. Let's amplify thriving the world over.